Hello, ghosts and goblins. Welcome to Let the Fright One In podcast. Thank you for joining us on our newest episode. I am here with your host, Ashley. With me, Ashley. So we're just going to ignore the bear then? De los muertes. And I am your other host, Edgar. It's a bear. Motorola Gorgonzola. And this is a horror podcast of three perspectives. The psychological, the avid fan, and the occasional... Maybe not this occasion. The Scared Shitless. Where two friends have come together to share their favorite scares and see how accessible they are to newcomers and diehard fans. All while discovering new viewpoints of the background in mental health. So, Edgar, what movies are we talking about today? So, this episode, we went with the theme of Road Trips Gone Awry. And we went with a classic and a, a fairly recent movie. Our first movie we're going to be talking about is An American Werewolf in London, uh, done by, directed by, excuse me, John Landis in 1981. Um, it's a horror comedy. Um, it is rated R for sex and nudity and violence and, ooh, dare we say, a little profanity. Just a tittle-tattle. Um, <laughs> just a tittle-tattle profan. Um, the sex scenes are moderate, and the violence is a bit gory, so for those that are a little bit squeamish and a little bit timid, maybe this is the movie for you. But compared to some other movies in the last few decades, this movie is a walk through the park. Pretty tame when it comes to gore. Like, they're still fun, if you find gore fun, but it's not it's not gonna make you shit your pants. You're you're pretty good. When you say American Werewolf in London, it is like one of like the ultimate werewolf classic movies. Um, it's it's probably one of the first movies you might think of aside from oh American Werewolf in Paris. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, it's probably like I feel like there aren't many classic werewolf horror movies actually I don't know maybe you can correct me on this I think like I think I am also colored by like I am jaded by the fact that like I've been watching horror movies for so long but I think like when you think of werewolf movies you're like definitely first on the list an American werewolf in London because I feel like it really changed like the fucking mood like 1981 there was actually i believe four or five werewolf movies that came out that year but that's the one that we remember that one and i believe the howling are the two that we remember the most from 1981 and that was the only other movie i was gonna say before my bad joke was the fucking howling <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking love that movie and we'll probably find a reason to talk about it on another episode i assure you um um so ashley that's me what did you think of, <laughs> what did you think about uh what is your opinion or how did you feel about american world for london so I had actually watched An American Werewolf in London, I think when I was like 12 years old with my dad. And having not seen it in 30, like 10, 11 years, I questioned my father's judgment. <laughs> not because the movie is bad. It's a great movie. I questioned how he thought to show this to his 12-year-old daughter with like how... 
gory and like sexual the movie is i was like what was going through this man's mind um but what did uh what did you guys watch it on like would you guys watch it on dvd or do you guys like it was on tv uh, edited or it it's i'm pretty sure like we had the technology <laughs> to obtain a movie oh okay i got you um <laughs> the i saw it like i think on comedy central when i was like super young for some reason i think it might have been halloween or mm-hmm. october i can't I, I i distinctly remember watching it on comedy central for some reason because it is considered a you know horror comedy. horror comedy i mean very light on the comedy i yeah nah man the jokes are good (laughs) it's just like a little it's good but it's not like a funny haha it's just more like it's not a chuckle fest yeah yeah it's it's a lighter horror movie yeah by but not a super funny comedy by any stretch of the imagination what's also insane to me like i like i always knew that like i enjoyed the movie but the i really only remember like if you had asked me before rewatching it, like what scenes did I remember? I obviously like with how brains work, like most of the times, like you don't remember exactly what happens. You just remember how you feel because that's how we store our memories. Usually like easily is we store our feelings stronger than the actual thing that caused the feeling. And I remember enjoying the movie and I remember the pub, like where they were screaming like being super aggressive to our two main characters um the first time you see our boy decayed because it was a shock and the wolf transformation sequence other than that i would not have been able to tell you any other scene in this movie after like not having seen it in 10 years well it's it's actually kind of like a a fat like it doesn't go to a lot of places you know like I mean, there are a couple of scenes that are in the rewatch that I was just like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot about this. Um, uh, like, I forgot that they had the little shrine at the church, I mean, at the bar. So completely, and they kind of glaze over that. They don't even explain why they have that. But, you know, you, it's, you're kind of, you're kind of led to believe that they might put up this little shrine to protect all the pub goers. Um from you know any werewolf activity that might be happening outside or in their little area but all right this is just gonna be like a little tangent but tangent it up if you knew there's a werewolf out there the entire time in this small little town in northern england and wouldn't you just have killed it a long time ago because they got no problem killing it like when it comes after like some tourists literally like, 10 minutes later <laughs> like literally 10 minutes they're gonna be like i mean i do like their their debate whether they should go whether it's murder or not and then they're just like fuck yeah it's murder <laughs> i'm just like all right damn <laughs> um and then they felt bad and they came out looking for them but uh yeah like they, it's completely i mean i don't i'm not the one of those person that that needs everything explained to me uh, I don't want everything explained to me. Usually it falls apart when you start explaining. I mean, maybe they tried to explain it in some cutout scene and it just didn't fly. Um, but yeah, like, cause I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of things or other movies that don't explain things to me. I can just put it together in my head. So to us, it's an anti-wolf shrine. I think 
that it does work as an anti-wolf shrine because if you like know anything about pentacles like they are in like witchcraft like a form uh like sometimes of warding things off they like can be for protection they can be to like get these negative vibes away they could also just be like hey this represents all of the elements because that's what it was originally like each point in the star is to represent like water earth like all the different elements and people kind of ran with it to be satanic so considering that this is 1981 they were probably like this is some satan shit oh yeah because realistically isn't it pretty close to the 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 occult panic that kind of happened around that time the so like anything occult would be basically or anything that looked occultish would just basically be frowned on being like that's the devil and this is this is totally wrong and you guys are totally fucked and yada 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 but yeah it is like a common symbol for uh protection against evil though especially in like taoism again like that i was saying it like represented the elements but i forgot that the in taoism it's earth water wood fire and metal for Taoism. I'm so sorry, Taoists. <laughs> uh, I totally wanted to make a Captain Planet joke, but it's just not there. Um, so we're moving on. The I kind of <laughs> like these guys are really fucking mean to these. They like, are. They literally look at them with disgust, disdain. They haven't said a word. They're honestly trying to be like we're cool Americans. Like we're we we just want a little hot tea or like a little bit of coffee or something. And they're all like treating them like they're the biggest jackasses. Which is funny because they don't also don't want them to go out into the into the fucking night and get fucking eaten. But they kind of force them to, and then they feel bad about it. So real contradictory, like all around. Um, but I also like, I mean, another tangent. It was like warm. I mean, yeah, they were freezing, so warm tea. But you know, these kids are on vacation. I'm surprised that like the first thing they didn't have was just a fucking huge, fucking pint of beer. But you know, I think it's just like I think they kind of hint at that David and Jack are kind of nerds. Um, yeah, and they are not cool kids. This is the coolest thing that they are doing, and it's just just one more reason why you should never leave the fucking house and stay inside <laughs> and just never go on a trip. I mean, if you, I don't know if you remember, but like when they're having that little casual conversation on their way to the slaughtered lamb, like Jack is just talking about like how he like wants to be with he wants to like bang this chick and like be with this girl and David's like but she's ugly and Jack's like nothing about her body is is fucking ugly my man and that is literally like the way people who do not get girls talk about girls oh <laughs> um yeah as a, as a as a guy who's definitely been there yeah like that those conversations were too close to home <laughs> like literally that's not like any guy that like gets girls all the time just doesn't talk about them like that and i think that's the hinting to the nerdiness like their lack of familiarity their and their need to impress each other even though they're friends they are trying to be like boisterous and trying to like fight for the alpha role in a sense like whenever like men talk always one wants to be the like dominant force in the conversation 
it, you always got to have that one quip that's just a little bit funnier than the last one. Yes, and it's like, oh, you're talking about how you want to bang this girl where she's not even pretty. Always dragging someone down. That's why I've kept some of my friendships for 20 years, just being funnier than my best friends. <laughs> and of course, they would say the same thing. <laughs> And then they're kind of pushed out into the night where I love this little rhyme where it's stay off the moors and stay on the road and beware of the full moon. I love that fucking like it just stuck with me so much this time. Uh, I don't know if I butchered it, um, but let's, let's see if oh, I got so it I right. never knew what a moor was because we don't live where moors are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just like, you mean hills? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is a moor? Have we figured that out? Um, I think... So a moor is a type of habitat found in upland areas. They have, like, low vegetation. They're okay. usually, like, uncultivated hills. So they, they have, like, little shrubberies and no trees and they're like little hills little baby hills they're not like full like rolling hills okay yeah so yeah we don't have those <laughs> it's it yeah keep to the roads it's closer to a dune but with grass it's uh keep to the road stay clear of the moors and beware the full moon and yeah you know, when they say it in unison as they're walking and they realize they've gotten lost, like that was a very slapstick little moment. And it, it does kind of set the tone for, for how the, the comedy plays out. It, you know, it, very dry, but it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, like, when, like when they leave, like not only are they like kicking them out, but like one of the locals is like, hey, man kind of regretting that like they're letting them just go because they know they know that they're like gonna get killed murdered super murdered eaten like, eat murdered jack gets mauled like literally mauled and david gets hurt and like he yeah he, he's in the hospital for three weeks or whatever <laughs> but he but did he die though fucking oh and the and I mean, I think at this time it wasn't the goriest movie I'd seen, but it was just it 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 was like somewhat realistic of how like you might get mauled by a bear, and I was just like, mm -hmm. just kind of made my skin crawl a little bit. Oh, like for the time, especially like John Landis really, really, really respected Rick Baker's work because like. These are not like shadowy, shadowy scenes where it's like everything is obscured and you can just barely see the monster so they can like hide any mistakes. Like he lets you see everything always all the time. The he lets you see the gore, right? He the the the, the monster is like actually shrouded in a shadow. That's what one of the gripes with Yes, he with is. Rick Baker and how he, how much time he spent on making the monster. Yeah. Um, and I was, and I remember watching this movie when I like the, when I remember when I was little watching this movie, I was like, where the fuck is the werewolf? I want to fucking see this werewolf. Where's the monster? Uh, and I want it all the time. And of course, like, you know, with age, you know, you start to realize like, oh man, it's so much better that they don't have the werewolf in there all the time where you just see little glimpses of it. Cause when you see it too often, like it's not scary anymore. It's the, the action is is scary well, yeah but the the gore is up front the after effect the the 
the chaos that left in the wake is is what's like it's what gets you that's what kind of got me. just remembering this just like oh the like the bite marks on jack's face was yeah on jack's neck like the and when he when jack is first revealed to david and he's got like that little dangling piece of flesh like hanging from his neck like that just like oh that that was great <laughs> like his jack's decomposing state every single time that he pops up is one of my favorite parts of the movie like every time jack jack might just be my favorite character He's always has funny jokes. Like he's always like he looks great. He's always in a great mood. Like he he's jazzed. Well, he's dead. He's got nothing to fucking worry about. Like he's fuck like that's what they say. When you're fucking dead, all your fucking troubles go away. And he was the fucking funniest guy at that fucking party. Um, I remember there was uh, I think an interview with Griffin Dunn, who's the actor that played Jack our decomposing guy and he was actually really upset with the role because he was under all this makeup and this was one of his he thought this was gonna be his breakout role and he's like nobody's gonna know it's even me like i'm gonna be a fucking character actor like nobody i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get any good roles after this and he was probably one of the best parts of this fucking movie he just fucking stood out by he stood out i mean because the rea- like. I don't follow actors' careers very well, but I know that, like, David, his actor, uh, David Naughton? Okay, yeah. David Naughton. <laughs> um, like, he was the Dr. Pepper guy. And he, yes, he was. Nope. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you no, know, no, like, no, like, yeah, all right, cool. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> but the Dr. Pepper guy, when you weren't even born. <laughs> I know he was I wasn't even bored <laughs> but he was the Dr. Pepper guy and he was in a bunch of Dr. I researched so much about this movie. No, I remember <laughs> I remember hearing about that. And he got super fired because of this movie because this movie showed his butt and they couldn't have Dr. Pepper like butt cheek advertisement. They could no longer like keep him on and I feel so bad cuz my dad was like, "Yeah, he had an unsuccessful oh. like singing career." <laughs> And that's all that happened uh, to David. I, mean, I don't even think they even show a lot of dudes' butts in TV anymore in movies. Uh, I haven't seen a, a Games of Thrones, maybe. Uh, and he's naked many times in this movie. Like he has like he like frolics in the forest, completely nudorino, and just having his his cheekies to the wind. And Dr. Pepper was like, "This this is uh this is unacceptable." Like, imagine your whole career with Dr. Pepper destroyed because you decided to, like, make one of the most iconic werewolf movies of all time. Yeah, but, like, nobody, like, you don't get paid royalties for those Dr. Pepper commercials anymore. You know, those, those Dr. Pepper commercials were going to go away eventually. Like, he's still getting residuals from American Werewolf in London. He's still going to cons. How much do you know, think he gets? Ten cents. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like he's getting like a nickel. <laughs> the Dr. Pepper dynasty died. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him. There's some there's honestly like and we'll get to it in a in the future. 
because I have so many friggin' fun fucking facts for this movie. Not as many as I do for our next movie, but I have, there, there was pages upon pages of fun facts that I had looked through and I was trying to find all the fun ones. Hey, look, I like the funniest ones. Look, let, let's not, let's not, um, fucking, you know, doubt, like fucking shake our head at David Nine's career, but I just looked it up, right? Homie's worth four million dollars that's not bad. is he you know he's he's doing okay good for you david naughton i mean he might own like four million dollars of fucking you know american werewolf in london fucking merch and he's still <laughs> got to you know sell but like hey four million is four million right that's true he's 70 years old too yeah yeah he's not that old i i don't know i thought he'd be older i thought he was going to be younger but he looks weird. I don't know how old this image is, but not bad. Not bad for 70. Also, like that picture of him like in the uh, hospital bed where he's like semi transformed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. With the eyes. You know, the little, yeah, with the eyes. Uh, I love that image. I love all of Rick Baker's work so much. Like, truthfully, like what do I love about American Werewolf in London? Like, if I had to like really say what i love about it it is super the the special effects like the special effects make it so lovable and like they're so impressive even now like it's just great well we're we're so he's out of so david gets mauled jack is dead he he gets warned by jack that he's he's a he's a werewolf now and that he should kill himself yes, and then he the best advice to your best buddy oh man um and you could tell it to your best friend yes I do. Like, that's <laughs> just the, kill yourself if you're gonna hear it from anybody you you, you you're gonna hear from your best friend yeah the he hooks up with the hot nurse because this is werewolf english patient obviously um and you know he's he's checking up with the nurse and he doesn't believe it. Oh wait, the I forgot about this. Speaking of, of scenes that we forgot, right before we get to the transformation scene, he has a conversation with um with David in her apartment. In her Isn't that apart- scene? Yes, with the with the was he holding the Mickey Mouse? Is that what Mickey it is? Mouse is there? Yeah, I, um, Jack plays with the Mickey Mouse, and David's like, "Don't fucking touch the Mickey Mouse." <laughs> and he's like, "It's so it's like he's talking to the so it's like he's talking to the Mickey Mouse when he <laughs> when, when she finds him when she finds him." Um, and I this was a stretch, but there were some you know, other you know YouTube um, you know couch analysts or that people that were out there kind of analyzing the scene and they were saying that jack landis used mickey mouse and he used some other um symbolism in in alex's apartment so the mickey mouse was supposed to be a a animal human hybrid much like um david will become in a second i feel like that's a stretch i feel like the mickey mouse was more like of a comedy thing i don't know if i agree with that hundred percent i definitely kind of see it though like i think it can work as both I if you want to make mm-hmm. mickey mouse a chimera <laughs> i mean i see it but i think it's coincidence i think it was more played for laughs uh, i do agree with the the chrysalis and the butterflies on the wall um mm-hmm. and that yeah butterflies and their metamorphosis exactly that one's 
easy for sure but the mickey mouse hybrid is, i mean yeah you could see it and it's debatable and you know the only person we're gonna ask is really john landis you know you can also say that like mickey mouse is kind of a form of comfort for many people as well as like a symbol of like overcoming like when disney like first started it was like a shit show that got turned around and became a, like a huge success like you can almost kind of see like he at that point he's trying to turn his life like he is like kind of trying to make his life like he knows something is wrong he's trying to make his shit show into something pretty sick like being with the nurse like also again a form of comfort so a lot of people will gravitate towards things that are nostalgic for them so they like this is a dead person he's playing with a mickey mouse so it's like something that's childish that's played for laughs but also nostalgic like oh you know this is a piece of the real world that i like am interacting with that like could have like nostalgia because he's from america too like there's that's where disney is is in america and it could be like him trying to reconnect a little bit with the human world in a in a sense outside of david i definitely see the comforting aspect of it where you have your best friend you know it almost seemed like a little bit of a therapy session where where you know you're sitting down you're on a couch you're talking to your best friend he's got this little toy for you and he's just telling you hey buddy just kill yourself you gotta fucking just fucking kill yourself boss it's gonna be okay <laughs> um because um, if not you're gonna fucking kill a lot more fucking people um and going back to that semi-transformation scene in the hospital bed um that you're talking about rick baker's work i think i saw that image way before I ever saw the actual movie and I was just like what the fuck is that from I have to fucking find this movie and of course it was in montages for you know advertisements for all sorts of horror movies so then they wouldn't tell you exactly what it was from so I spent you know maybe a couple years trying to find trying it to, you know you know with pre-internet or like in the early days of the fucking internet but yeah so then we have the transformation scene and this is a f- the one of the best fucking transformations i've ever fucking seen and i think historically it is the actual first transformation scene that has a the cursed victim writhing in pain from the werewolf transformation i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure i picked that up in a horror documentary i saw fucking years of um and the way they were so fucking creative with how they film this scene it just fucking blows my mind it's just a bunch of fucking dudes fucking around trying to make something work and they pulled it off fucking i mean well almost flawlessly there are a couple scenes there where that don't age very well or a couple aspects but i didn't fucking care you feel david's pain in that scene um and i don't know if you're gonna i don't know if you have this in your notes but closer to the end of the transformation scene where david's eyes are just or actually i think it's in the beginning of the scene or somewhere where david's eyes are just just red from like he looks like he's on the fucking verge of crying that wasn't even an effect that was that was was just david not in exhausted from fucking filming (laughs) 
over and over again. I think it was just like the end of the fucking day. And he, his eyes were just bloodshot red and just him trying to give it his fucking all. And I mean, I, you know, he earned his fucking $4 million. <laughs> Dude, he, he did say that like, it was not easy to film this movie that it like caused him a lot of physical fucking suffering. Like he was frolicking naked, but it was like really cold outside and he had to pretend like it wasn't super cold outside. He like walked over glass. He like, he did a lot. Makeup alone takes so long to put on. Like sometimes like these special effect makeup looks can take like easy, like a minimum of like four hours. Sometimes they take like up to 10 hours to put on and that alone is hard and to act in them and to make the werewolf transformation transformation sequence they had to like invent new ways to make it happen because no one had ever done it before like they used a hydraulic system and they had to like make a a version like a copy of his face and make a hydraulic of his face to put the werewolf over it so it would using like mnemonics not hydraulic mnemonic to push his face into the werewolf like transformation like that's all a little robot yeah so it it stretches out the jaw is that the one we're talking about yeah Mm -hmm. that was fucking awesome and then the the arm stretching out and becoming a paw that was the best (laughs) and I do, or so going. It looks like Scooby Doo <laughs> going wrong. Oh, that, that's probably perfect. That's the perfect way to put it. The the hair being so the way it looks like it looks like the hair is growing out of him. But what they did is that they literally pulled it through a prosthetic arm or leg to make it look like it was gro- growing, and then they just you know rewound it or played it backwards so it looked like it was growing that was ingenious i fucking loved it um how sweaty was this dude man? this kid i mean the, the bloodshot <laughs> eyes like i i i thought they yeah what i thought is that they might have put a little beet juice in his eyes to make his eyes that's a that's a little trick you could put use a little beet juice i mean i don't know if you get an infection you might but um a little watered down beet juice will give you some bloodshot eyes but i mean you have to beet juice is pretty powerful stuff um yeah i would not want beet juice in my eyes the dude was just tired i don't think i've been that tired where my eyes were that bloodshot and oh um what other scene the (laughs) the very awkward uh where he turns over on his back and he looks like a little frail little dude and he's obviously like you know they obviously have built this contraption and built a box in the floor where he is and you know his body's sticking out or his head sticking out that was that was a little funny but oh oh and then he going back to the mickey mouse doll he's looking at the mickey mouse doll while he's transforming so yes there is that little nod of you know hybrid mountain you know humanoid humanoid hybrid what is it called when it like obviously personification but when something is not human but it takes on human qualities there's a word for it i don't think you're talking about the uncanny valley no anthropomorphic there we go that's what mickey mouse kind of is he's anthropomorphic like because he has the qualities of being like a boy 
Because I would never say that Mickey Mouse is a man. He's not. He, he's not a Mickey man. He's a Mickey boy. Mickey Mouse is like fucking seventy years old. Mickey Mouse is older than David Naughton. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, for sure. Mickey Mouse is like how old is Mickey Mouse? Like a hundred years old? Uh, nineteen twenties. I want to say. How old is Mickey? Nineteen twenty-eight. He's gonna be a hundred years old. Yeah. Haha. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, old as hell. Um. <laughs> But no, but he looks like his little body is shaped like a little boy, you know, like a little skinny. I never put it together. I just kind of thought he was his own thing. He is um, his own never... thing, but it's like I... very boy-like. It's very childlike because obviously he's made for children. He's made for children, but when I would think of boy-like, I would, th- I would think that I would relate to it. So it'd be like, oh, that's very boy-like because he's like me, a boy, haha. But I always thought Mickey Mouse was his own thing. He was more of a a little dude. You know, kind of like Winnie the Pooh. He's a know? little dude. But I also feel like, oh, I love Winnie the Pooh so much, though. I literally love Eeyore with my whole heart. But, <laughs> but like, I also think of Winnie the Pooh as a little boy. Like, um, if you like, if you look at Christopher Robin and, like... Who is a little boy. Is a little, <laughs> like, a little kid. Like they they fucking dress the same like like he he wears yeah. his little his little hold on classic Christopher yeah he fucking wears little shorts and like a little and a little shirt he just like that's just how little kids dress yeah but Winnie the Pooh also sounds like a forty year old man <laughs> with diabetes um, <laughs> what and, to do with yeah. my honey piglet <laughs> he's so cute. Uh, and Christopher Robin doesn't. <laughs> so like, like when they when the two stand next to each other, talk next to each other, you could definitely feel the difference between the two. Um, and you know, so I for me that's hard. I mean, but then again, this kind of stuff is subjective. So. It's very subjective. Also, like the OG Winnie the Pooh had no shirt. Who decided to put a shirt on Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, because he's just gonna walk out with his bare nips out. Come he- on. <laughs> everyone else does no 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 you gotta put it's obvious like there was a very very clear rules when the, all these things were getting made mouse or mice get pants bears get shirts yeah duh but like kanga kanga is a whole lady with a child she and she just has she has no outfit but like i what are what are the rules what are <laughs> the clothing rules in disney they're so inconsistent I mean, not, not even, let's not even get to Hanna-Barbera. Yogi Bear just wears a tie. He does just wear a you tie. you imagine if he was a person? Like, like <laughs> just walking around, just this hairy dude with, like, just a tie and a hat. <laughs> Hell. I would die. I would be so upset. I would riot against that person. Like, why? <laughs> why did you make me look at this? Donald Duck gets a shirt and a hat. Let's see who, who else. Go- Goofy gets a full pair of Goofy clothes. Goofy has a full outfit he yeah. is fully fit and... also goofy is a dog mm-hmm. and pluto Which I, is a I dog <laughs> I, hey i i know i that but was, also uh, there I... are theories that goofy isn't a dog he's a cow because he's dating clarabelle cow what there can't be any cross species dating in this no world? there uh... can be but like he he can't be both a a dog and a cow well, at I mean, the same time it is kind of weird that everybody seems to date in their own race in the disney world that they um, do um the 
Minnie Mouse, you know, Daisy Duck, um, Goofy Dates the Cow, which I never, never put that one together. Um, yeah, because he dates Clarabelle Cow. It's just so, it's all, okay, there's just so many different things. Like, some are like, he's not a cow. Some are like, he is a cow. No, What are you, cow. Goofy? He's a fucking dog. That's but they skinny... also are like, he's a Pekingese dog. Oh, that's a very specific yes. dog. And Pete! Pete! What the fuck is Pete? What the fuck is Pete? The fuck Pete is... Is, the, uh, is the bad guy. The old-timey bad guy is Pete. Oh, I kind of thought he was kind of like, he kind of was kind of a little cat-like. Yes, he's either a cat or a bear, is what I have learned. He's either a cat or a bear. Definitely didn't put bear together. It's just because he, he him big. Him big. Him big. Him big equal bear. Him big equal bear, yes. Big. So many questions. <laughs> so then we have our groundbreaking historical werewolf transformation scene <laughs> and it is a fucking doozy um i don't even know if there's anything more to say about that like do you have anything to add that's that it's if you haven't seen this movie you should watch it only for that fucking scene only for the transformation yes absolutely it's literally one of the only scenes i remembered after 10 years of not seeing it if you've ever if you went to halloween horror nights I believe 2018, they did an American werewolf in London house. Well, he, he was not his own house. He was in a house. He was actually in my favorite house I had ever been to in Halloween Horror Nights. And you get to, well, there's someone there. They recreated the slaughtered lamb. It was great. It looked exactly how I remember. Nice. It, it was fabulous. And you get to, like, have... Um, the werewolf pop out at you like on several occasions like there's an animatronic one uh, that like pops up in the set and then there's a guy and he pops up by you and I had actually because I'm a psychopath I had seen him and I got super excited because I had like I had remembered an American world in London and I remember loving it and being super excited and I still love it (laughs) y'all even after the second go and I squeaked out because I was very tiny at the time. I squeaked out like, oh, you're so cute. Because <laughs> I was so excited. And my brother attests to this. I say things are cute if I, even if it's the most grotesque thing I've ever seen. If there's just a lot of effort that's been put into something, I'm like, that's so cute. Even if it's not anything remotely cute, like this uh, giant werewolf and i squeaked at him and he this man was like oh fuck you bitch (laughs) you think i'm cute you think i'm fucking cute so he made it his fucking mission to scare the shit out of me and he literally i don't know if he was able to make the sound louder or whatever but he like puffed out smoke at me made a huge roaring sound and then got literally like a centimeter away from my face Ooh. it was amazing <laughs> that's um all right yeah i mean he he had one job to do and he was not doing it well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man like i mean oh that actually that would that would that sounds like a lot of fun um it was i'm hoping that that we can go to halloween horror nights this year 
Um, but now that I'm kind of I'm kind of iffy about this new Delta variant. Um, for those in the the future listening to this, uh, yeah, we're in the middle. We're in the middle of I don't even know how many waves of COVID right now. So it's well, COVID. Yeah. What is the Delta variant? There's a new Delta variant, uh, or there's a variant called the Delta variant that's everywhere but here right now it seems but um they're they're suggesting that everybody go back to wearing masks indoors they're not making it a mandate um not here in the united states but the cdc is suggesting it which i'm like okay cool thanks guys for not making it a mandate we could have been done with this uh, but we're not like I'm already fully vaxxed. Does that mean like we have to get like double fully vaxxed? Like I'm fine with that. Well, you're you're kind of not. It doesn't seem like you're. From what I understand, you're not vaccinated against like, or the variants might hit you just not as bad, as as it might if you weren't vaccinated. Um. So. Hot people get vaccinated. Yeah, everybody get vaccinated just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're just super sexy if you get vaccinated. It's just, you know, I'd like to look at it as that just, if you're not vaccinated, you become sort of a threat to everybody else. Uh, You become a werewolf. (laughs) You become, uh, man, I can only imagine the horror movies that are going to come out after. I know. After COVID, (laughs) um, what everybody's going to be thinking about and how this is going to lead to some some ho- hopefully great movies in the future yeah. maybe it'll be there'll be another werewolf movie because like werewolf transformation is like passed on like in this movie where like he was mauled but he survived he survived <laughs> so he is a werewolf now just like in ginger snaps like she survived the werewolf attack so she's a werewolf mm. So, like, I feel like it's like you survived the COVID attack. Now you, you're a COVA wolf. Yeah, there's. I know there is a one recently that came out, and I, I sent you the link, and I already forgot the name of it, but hopefully we'll cover it in one of our shorter creepy episodes. Um, I th- Wolves Within? I think that's what it was called? I can't remember. It seems like a, another horror comedy, uh, very much in the vein of this movie. I love comedies i think like one thing that i think is missing from a lot of modern movies is there's no like comedy or charm fair and i think that's like the greatest part about horror movies like this movie has fucking funny moments you like it just can't help but like love the undead characters that you meet because we didn't mention it but there is a scene where like they're at a movie theater and there's a bunch of like the uh murdered victims of david specifically and they're all like super chipper dead people like telling him all the different ways to kill himself like they're but they're saying it so jovially and they're like yeah like you can just like stab yourself Ooh, or like you can get hit by a car and then like you can really like not even see it as killing yourself you just you know died like they're just so like (gasps) trying to be super helpful because they like want to like end the the, the, like werewolf bloodline they want to stop the tyranny but like they're doing it so happy It's it's specifically the couple the the couple that are really happy. really jovial. So uh, she, it's you. I I want to say she's like turning her head and her head is her hair is blood drenched and it's just kind of like swinging when she turns around. She's got this 
big old fucking grin on her face, and she's just like, "Oh, well, you can shoot yourself." <laughs> um, it's just yeah, like that's like the thing to do. I was I got a huge kick out of that, and <laughs> and then Jack debating with him, he's just like he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." The guy's a friend of mine. I don't want him to suffer. Yeah. Um, he kept being like, hey, man, this is my buddy. Like, this is my friend. Which is just makes him so much more likable. Like, he's literally disgustingly green. He literally looks like a, th- like a rip, like your dog chewed through green Play-Doh and shattered out is what he looks like. I think like. at this point, yeah, I think at this point, uh, Jack is... This is the third time you see him, and at this point, they use a, a, a puppet, and it's mostly a skeleton. Yes, that's what it was. He's a skeleton at this point, and they before did, he was green. They did get um, the actor to, you know, man the puppet just so he would be able to basically kind of, like, mouth it in sync with the words. Um, and it's it's, yeah, you're right. It's just, like, one of those things where, like, yeah, this guy is telling you to kill yourself, but he also still cares about you just enough for still to just be like, dude, it doesn't have to hurt. Just try to get it over quickly. Which is so sweet. It's just like, dude, it, this fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, I got I to gotta walk the earth forever. Um, which, oh, going back to this also, I thought had a really, really nice, pl- I mean, of course, this, uh, this is 1981, and of course there haven't been that many great, you know, werewolf movies at the time, aside from, you know, the Howling that came out around the same time. But the the curse of the werewolf, speaking as far as like folklore, like this really played up the curse aspect of it. There's a lot of movies nowadays that like, or movies since then that have played like, oh well, he's the wolf, so he's super, he's super cool now, or. You know, like, they get a, like, you know, fucking Twilight and the Jack Nicholson wolf movie and whatnot where they mm-hmm. have very weird views of, um, you know, the wolf myth. But this really, really played up, like, no, like, you have no fucking control over this. You're going to kill people. These people are going to haunt you on a daily basis. It's going to hurt, like, fucking hell. Like, you're just fucked from beginning to end from this. There is no There's no good there. part. There is no good part. And basically, that is... It's not even subtext in the beginning of the movie. It's just text. Um, they show up in a... Like, the movie starts out with David and Jack in a truck with a bunch of sheep. And they go to the slaughtered lamb. Yeah. Like, there's... They led the lambs to slaughter. <laughs> there is... There is... There's no beating around the bush. There is no happy ending in this fucking movie. There really is. But the ending is also not satisfying in any way. Alright, so... But because, like, that's how it, it does foreshadow it. And I think they also foreshadow it with, I think they foreshadow a few movies, or they talk about a few movies in American World of London where they foreshadow. Yeah, they, they talk about the Alamo and how he's like, oh, I love that movie. When they talk, and that had a shitty fucking ending. Um, I think there was another one, too, where... They it, actually talk about the Alamo in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, at the pub. And that had everybody dies at the end of that movie much like this movie but it's also like not done in a way where it feels like triumphant or anything or like you're like the like you understand that the bloodline is over but it doesn't feel like ah like it like it didn't feel completed like it felt like oh the movie's done 
in my opinion. I think John Landis is a cool director, but I feel like he doesn't know how to end his movies satisfactorily, if that makes sense. I mean, I can't say that about all of his movies, but yeah. At least the ones I've seen. This one ended very abruptly. Um, And we can skip, like, their... David turns into a werewolf, I think, was it the third time or the second time? And I remember watching it, I think my first go around, um, I remember watching this movie and having that feeling like, that's the end of the fucking movie? Like, where is the arc? Where is the... I mean, of course, I was fucking like 10, so I don't remember saying the words like, where's the character arc? And this, he didn't <laughs> achieve any of his fucking goals. No, I just remember feeling very unfulfilled. But watching it again this time around i was like no this is a fucking i thought this movie only got better as i got older because i could appreciate it for what it was like no you don't need a happy ending in this movie you it just ends the way it ends because this was this was just basically telling you how this guy dies um and it's i was gonna try to make the connection with like yeah maybe david Naughton got naked for all these scenes because he thought this was like an art house movie and he was gonna you know in art house movies you get fucking naked and you kind of like show people your fucking goods because you know it might show you your acting chops and (laughs) and maybe this was kind of like a little bit of that acting chops got him (laughs) and this is a little bit like that where like in kind of like art house films you can go wherever you want you don't need to please the audience you know so you don't need a happy ending i don't think necessarily that endings need to be happy like i just think that the endings should feel like an ending like it i because this happened also with innocent blood i was like oh the movie's over like it literally happened in innocent blood that i like went to nika and i was like did the movie finish (laughs) like the credits are did something did the end what was the end (laughs) They're like, oh, they like fucking kissed. And I was like, what? And then in this. They fucking fucking kissed. Like, he and, if I remember correctly, he and Alex, like, just like, like, Alex sees him and, like, you assume, like, that he died. Like, and I'm like, wait, did did that all? Is that all that happens? Like, at least if you see, like, hey, I guess. I just wanted it to feel like the movie ended. I don't like when I'm questioning, like, why are the credits, why are the credits, excuse me, uh, to take off the credits, what's happening, you know? It's, it was was kind of a little bit like a one-two punchline that, like, didn't land, but, like, I understand there was no, David gets shot as his werewolf form in, in the alleyway, yeah, and, and then you just see his naked body, and then it cuts to the fucking cheeriest song at the end, and that's it. There's no, like, Alex walks out of the alley crying and is consoled by police officers and Dr. Hirsch, and then it's just, like, it's just them talking about, like, oh, well, it had to happen, yada, 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 and then they sort of, like, you know, kind of teeters off. Or at least, like, if it was, like, you could have seen, like, Jack and all the other dead people, like, I don't know, disintegrate or something. Something so it feels like it's the end for them. Because that's the real goal, is, like, the end for the suffering of these lost souls that can't move forward because they're tied to the werewolf bloodline. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they also didn't look like they had money for real fancy effects. So like they're. I hear like, your pub. <laughs> I hear the <laughs> The because in the beginning of the movie, when you see the first werewolf and his transformation, I love that transformation scene. How you see him as a wolf for one second, then you flip back to it, and then it's just a dude like. That's all you needed. You didn't need any fancy effects. You didn't need any, any, you know, very, very minimal. And it, it gets to the point right away. Um, the prior to, I was going to talk about this before, prior to this um, and seeing like other horror movies from the other werewolf movies, like the only way you saw the werewolf transforming was not in pain. They would just kind of overlap hairy dude on top of hairy dude until like you got like a sort of werewolf and then he was just like Rawr, dude that's a just a weekend now. over at my house it's just hairy dudes <laughs> um between your dad and your boyfriend yeah hey. uh, those are just some of the hairiest men i know <laughs> but yeah the um, going back to the ending it did feel like that yeah it was very but like i said i just feel like it was just a, it was a very black dark joke that just <laughs> was the punchline like, is like it's over <laughs> it's over boom done um but that's what i loved it for this time around just like damn that's it <laughs> hey man this whole podcast's point is to share your opinion so you're you're valid you're valid to feel however you want i uh just don't agree <laughs> <laughs> um and do, do we have anything else to add? Um, so, do you feel like this movie is, like, friendly to, like, those who don't really like scary movies or, like, who are not big horror fans? Like, I know it's old, and I feel like the oldness is always, like, a hurdle that people kind of have to get over. Because, like, there are some people who are like, ew, the 80s, that's, like, a million years ago. Like, ew. I think this movie will not hit home with people that can't watch older movies like i think it's it because it like it's a little slow in some places so i think it but also if somebody's willing to give it a shot i totally think it's worth it if you're if you can basically just put all your bias aside, all your biases aside, have no expectations, and just enjoy the movie for what it is, I think you can have a great fucking time. I agree. I because I think the movie is really fun, and I think it is accessible to those who don't watch horror. I don't think it's accessible to those who can't watch something old, like you said, because it's just very dated. Like even though like the special, like they tried really hard and the effects are amazing for its time. Like if you're like oh my god, no, I need it to be, like, extra ultimate buttery HD 4K, like, just reflected into my eyeballs. I just don't, I don't vibe with any of that. I don't vibe with a lot of CG just because maybe it's just my upbringing. Like, I was around before a lot of this, so, or, like, I was, I was grown up with it. So, like, practical effects hit home for me. So, like, I love seeing it being tangible. I love seeing, like, like I don't care that, like, it might look not great. But I love seeing that it's, I love seeing that it's tangible. And I love seeing, like, the practical effects and how things are stretched out. It just definitely 
it definitely kind of sets off my imagination where CG doesn't do, even though they can do a million things with CG and you can make all sorts of things, but I know it's CG and I know it doesn't really exist, but like this makes it look like it can exist, right? That's what practical effects are for. Um, just, like I can't, I, I can't get into it, you know, like there's, and there is a sort of like a, a nice playful middle where I think a lot of movies have been trying to have, um, have been tr trying to lay into where they're, they do some practical and they lay in a little bit of CG on that to make it just right. Um, and you can't even tell, like that's, that's great. I'm trying to remember what movie specifically, uh, but there's a lot of movie that movies that are trying to blend like practical and CGI. Like I am just gonna quote <laughs> from the Universal Monster uh, makeup show, the horror movie makeup show at Universal Studios, because uh, back when I lived in Orlando and I worked at the tattoo shop, I would go to the horror makeup show. Uh, if I got out of work by five, because Universal closes like super early at like nine or something, eight or nine. So I would literally run over and I would go to the horror makeup show and spend so much time there with Beetlejuice. And <laughs> an American Werewolf in London is a feature in that show. Like they show you the mnemonic uh, werewolf head and they show you how it works. And it's really awesome. Uh, but they also are like, this is where special effects makeup is going through right now. See now in the newest The Mummy, like, fucking movie. Like, even though, like, The the Mummy movies for me will forever be the Brendan Fraser movies, <laughs> but whatever. Um, they have a new one, and they were showing how they were, like, doing practical effects, but then laying over CGI to, like, make it seamless so that you can't tell what's CGI and what's special effects. And I think that's, like, the smartest idea. Like, special effects have a place and they're really beautiful and intricate but they also can't do everything like there are a lot of limitations that they have well the only thing that like kind of worries me is that practical effects are becoming more and more expensive so as people are trying not to do it or trying to steer in the direction of you know cg um and it's just not working out the I would I would take in lieu of CG is just trying to be creative and you know not show your monster or show like you know glimpses of it I, I you know or getting really creative and working around it um, that's the way some of the best movies have been made just trying to be as creative as possible and just on lower budget literally always when like they have the shoe stringiest budget. And you have to, like, search the corners of your brain to figure out how to make something worse. You, you really get movie magic then. I feel like when you have an unlimited budget, they always just come out, like, not as great. Because you, like, don't have to, like, really reach to figure out how to get something to happen. But I have fun facts. Do you want to hear them? <laughs> Let's hear all the fun facts. Okay, I had to cut them down so much because I literally had like fucking seven pages worth of fun facts. But I have fun facts. So, An American Werewolf in London is the first film to ever earn the Academy Award for Best Makeup. And the category was made for the movie in 1981. Uh, as of 2014, 
It is the only John Landis movie to ever win an Academy Award, and all the blood that was moved in the mo- that was moved in the in the used, <laughs> all the blood that was used in the movie was actually cranberry. I was gonna gym. say that was <laughs> the used in the. Gym. <laughs> I mean, like the used music video. <laughs> but it was cranberry jam. So the next time for Thanksgiving dinner, you can recreate a horror movie with your leftover cranberry jam. Oh, I think I'm getting, I'm, I just feel like I'm making, I'm doing too many pranks on my family and I don't think I could put them through like trying to fake being murdered and just coughing up. I mean, I I would, I think I just, I need to do it at a friend's house. I don't think I could do it to my mom. No, don't give Uh, your mom a heart attack. (laughs) I think what you could do is make like a, like turkey crime scene (laughs) with your like cranberry jam blood and you can like make it look like someone beheaded the turkey and it's just like what the fuck mom you said this turkey was dead already (laughs) that's (laughs) not bad yeah uh john landis also wrote this screenplay while he was shooting for kelly's heroes in 1970 so a decade earlier uh, while he was a gopher yeah. in Yugoslavia, which... Homie was fucking 19. Yeah, he was real baby hours. And he was driving uh, in the countryside with a colleague, and he saw a G... I'm so sorry, uh, Romani funeral. And while he was seeing the funeral procession, he noticed that the body was being buried in a huge grave with its feet first wrapped in garlic so that he it would not rise from the dead and that's what inspired this movie which like sounds more vampire than werewolves i don't really know where you got werewolf from but it is what it is well i think uh, maybe in the original draft movie it wasn't werewolf but i think i think what he was saying was that like he basically went i think to sleep that night and he was just like yeah what if what if creature a family did come back yeah what if what if they did come back from the dead and i think that was the the main premise of the movie but it's actually not kind of actually that's kind of loosely based because no, nobody dead comes back from i mean unless your dear dead friend comes back but you know to tell you to kill yourself i mean well technically like they don't physically come back they like spiritually come back yeah because obviously he's rotting and I guess that was, like, a cool way of showing, like, he's he's not real and he's not actually there because you see him decompose. Like, if it was a ghost, I guess, like, in a traditional sense, they're always, they always look exactly how they did in the same age as when they died, at least in movie lore. Which is, a, I think, a great f- fucking... Um, take on it that the fact that the ghosts are rotting um i mean are you trying to say that like what if david just went crazy from the attack and then he's just imagining his guilt is making him imagine that his friend is suffering in 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 limbo and that he's not really being haunted by his friends at all that would be the very logical side of the story uh, is like of course he's he's like imagining it like why else 
would he like you know like it's a a very guilty thing like there's a lot of people who like have survivor's guilt and they're like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. like that one that could have been me that died but it was my friend and my friend never gets to bang that hot chick now because he's dead like but i get to bang this new hot chick because we're both alive and feeling guilty 100 percent uh but also my favorite fun fact of all the fun fact is this one actually about Jack, which is Griffin Dune. Uh, he, re- he he has this one like funny memory of being on set that he needed to go use the bathroom in one of the trailers. And when he was using the bathroom part way, a driver hooked up the bathroom with him in it and started to tow it away from the set while he was taking a piss. That's fucking awful. That's that shit literally only happens in movies. It's so terrible, but I think it's so funny. Like I would be scared shitless if it happened to me and I would be like, oh my god, that was traumatizing, but it didn't. So I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. I wanna know how he got the guy to stop. I know how bad did he have to rattle and scream in there for the guy to realize that there was somebody in there he probably like actually shit his pants because like what else (laughs) do you do when you're getting towed away in the fucking crapper i mean if to be honest i would probably be like well i'm already here so i'm just gonna finish (laughs) the job first but those things smell so fucking rank that i would be freaking the fuck out there's there's a probability that he did not get out till they got back to whatever you call the shit yard wherever they keep all the fucking uh porta potties and then to imagine like the first guy that opens up that door that has nothing to do with the movie and sees a fucking dead body come out because the guy's painted up that's true what if he was painted (laughs) what if he freaks the fuck out he's just like oh my god i left the guy in there for too long he's fucking dead also wait okay so we actually never talked about this but it's like my last little fun fact that i have here and it's uh David Naughton and Griffin Dune recall the audience being confused by the post-attack scene where David looks to the right and sees the naked dead man with bullet wounds. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I don't even remember this scene, so it must have been super quick. It's very, it happens very fast, yeah. He's the werewolf. But apparently this confused a bunch of audiences in 1981 because... They like no one had seen a werewolf movie yet or like this yet and they were like what the fuck who is that guy <laughs> who whomst is this whomst <laughs> you, um, you're always bothered by whatever i use whomst i i don't even remember that this time the um i don't remember the first time <laughs> It's just anytime I use like a slightly strange word, you always repeat it back to me. Well, because I thought you were emphasizing it for dramatic effect. Um, So that's why I cracked up. Uh, I did a little bit, but also, like, it just. But also, you're being serious. (laughs) (laughs) The. Yeah, I'm sorry that just my my vocabulary is just shitty compared to yours. The I'm sorry, I have a third grade fucking vocabulary. No, 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 no. <laughs> Whomst is very much um, at least fifth grade. The oh, thank um, you. I'll tell my teacher. The 
that helm, which McCall it the that scene happens very, very fast. I remember I think I had to play it back the second time around because it's almost like if you blink, you don't you even notice it. you completely miss it. You and I think you barely see the werewolf as well. Um I think yeah, if it was just there which you think that he would have you think John Landis would have fixed that like years ago when he re released it or whatever. You would have just made that scene. Um, maybe you didn't have it. You just the extra little bit. You just make it a little bit longer, just so it registers. Um, or we you also might... never mentioned the zombie Nazi nightmare sequence. Oh man, that thing is trippy as all hell. I love how the dreams do play up, do play a role, or David's dreams do play a role in this movie. They 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 escalate. Um, you know, from him running naked in the woods to him, you know, attacking Alex um, in the hospital as like, you know, this werewolf hybrid to, you know, the Nazis basically or the, the German, was it the the werewolf Nazis attacking and eating his family? Like the way it escalates, it's fucking perfect. Um also, Rick Baker was one of the Nazi werewolves. Oh, it's I, I actually I did not know that at all. That's great. I it 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 does it it kind of feels like it comes out of left field a little bit because you know the dreams are wacky. Uh, well, there there's no like through line, right? You know, it's not like you have the like, it's not it's not like you were running through the forest and all of them and like they escalated from there. That kind of kind of would have been cool to make them kind of cohesive a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, they, they are kind of all over the place, but I mean, you definitely understand why, like, yeah, basically if, if he would go back home, he would easily, you know, kill his family probably. Oh no, for sure. Like he had to die for the, like not only just for the, his friend's sake, but also just because like he is a werewolf now and he would kill anybody that's around him unless they do like the typical werewolf thing that's like we tie him up in the basement once a month for a couple of days and you know we check up on him sometimes which is weird because that's like something that only came up like you know in like the 90s and nobody ever thought about that kind of stuff so like to us like that was apparent but back then like would you have put it together just locked yourself up or was anybody watching this movie no No, of course not because that hadn't been thought of yet like no one was like what if we just fucking imprison him yeah what if we just you know you know close the door out of this fucking closet all right right, she's getting so how many werewolf paws disgusting scooby-doo werewolf paws would you give this oh i would give this Oh, um, I would give this nine and a half Scooby-Doo paws out of 10 Scooby-Doo paws. Um, I love this movie. Um, I think, like I said, I think it only got better, um, watching it in this last time. Uh, I think I was really able to appreciate it for what it actually was. Um, also I wanted to mention the music. All the music in is the movie a moon. Is, is, is basically full moon related. And it just gives the movie like sort of like, it does kind of give it the air of a, a little bit of a comedy. It gives it a, it gives it a lighter feel, but it also 
makes it just a little bit darker. Um, I love very cheery and like 1950s, 1960s movie uh, music in my my horror movies. Um, I think it it ups the creep factor so much. If I ever make a horror movie, I'm definitely putting in, you know, something old to make it that much better. I also love music from the 50s. I really like the music. I didn't really like think too too much about it until like I was looking at the fun facts and I was like, oh my god, every song has moon in it. <laughs> yeah, he plays Bad Mood Rising by uh, CCR. He plays Moon Dance by Van Morrison. He plays Blue Moon, which opens and closes out the movie. But I think that one was, I don't know what version they played of that one because that movie's been covered from here to holy heaven. I think I remember they tried to get like Moon River or it was some other moon related um, song and they got denied. (laughs) They got denied a lot of uh, fucking tracks that they just were not allowed to use. It's funny that they got denied that, but they they were totally allowed to use it. Disney uh, Mickey Mouse doll, which I'm, I'm really surprised. They also used a unaired episode of The Muppets. So there was a lot of people who thought that that was a fake episode of The Muppets that was playing on the TV, but it was real. It just was never aired oh, in the US. holy shit. And that was, I also heard that that was supposed to go um, in line with more of that human hybrid um, theme that we were talking about earlier. I think the human hybrid uh, theory does hold some uh, weight from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It do be making <laughs> uh, that's fair um how many what would you give this ashley i would give it eight disgusting scooby-doo stretched werewolf paws because <laughs> i do like recognize it has a couple of problems that could have been fixed and like some little unsatisfactory tid- tittle biddles but overall i am very happy with the movie and i think it was super fun i think um, if you're willing to look past its age, it does like it's still like a watchable movie. I even though like it it been a really long time since I had seen it, I still really like it. I would recommend it to people, and I would watch it again for sure. Like, if Nico wanted to watch it, I would watch it with him. And yeah, so like I recognize its faults, but overall, good flick. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah, I think it's. It's not too gory for the faint at heart, but I think it's it's just scary enough for for those people that want to dabble in our shores, you know. All right, thank you guys so much for joining us today on our very first episode of Let the Fright One In. We're so happy to have all of you join us today. Thank you so much for sticking around. We hope to see you next time, my creepy creeps, my ghoulish ghouls, and my vampiric chihuahuas. All right, everyone. See you next week.